Wisconsin's Afternoon News is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's John McCure. All right, happy Tuesday. Sandy Max is here in the studio. So is Greg Matzik. Debbie Lazic has got your roads. It's kind of a mess, but Deb's on top of it this afternoon. And Adam Roberts is producing the show. And we've got our eyes on a couple different stories today. This is the three at three on Wisconsin's afternoon news. All right, Sandy, what's up first? If you haven't been outside since this morning, uh, this afternoon, you're going to be in for a rude awakening if you didn't know about the pneumonia front moving through southeastern Wisconsin. Going to hit, they say, sometime between 3.30 and 5 o'clock. Temperatures could drop almost 40 degrees in a matter of minutes. This pneumonia front is accelerating winds coming off of Lake Michigan's temperatures drop rapidly in its path. And some places could see temperature drops of 20 degrees literally in 10 minutes. They're more common in the Badger State than in other states because of our topography and the mm-hmm. lake and how things lay out. But uh, expected to take place here anytime. It was almost 80 degrees earlier today. By the time we get out of here, it's going to be 50. Have you ever been on a walk, though, where truly the wind shifts, changes direction? Yes. You're like, whoa. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and right, and then you're like chasing patio furniture around the yard. Like, wow, that happened fast. Or small children or dogs. Right. Yeah, I, I'm exactly. glad you said what you said because I, I just don't recall this ever growing up. But like the last, I don't know, five years yeah. or whatever, it's like, well, this really is a thing. Every year it seems like it happens once or twice a year. And uh, we're going to be joined by meteorologist Brian Nisnansky during the 5.30 segment. So right as this thing is passed through, Niz will be with us to take us inside that. Also, Jessica Gatzow from our newsroom is out in the field. We'll check in with her a little bit later on as well. All right, what's I next? She got, I hope Jessica has a scarf. <laughs> next, according to U.S. News & World Report, who named Wisconsin the eighth best state last month, now Titletown is the best place to live in the country. Okay. That's what they say. Based on things like crime rate, affordability of housing and goods, air quality, resilience to climate change. I don't know if those are the things that I would classify as uh, the most important factors when determining the best place to live. But U.S. News and World Report did. And Green Bay is number one, followed by Huntsville, Alabama, Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, Boulder, Colorado, Sarasota, Florida. So Green Bay, huh. the number one place to live in America. I love Green Bay. I do. I lived there for several years. I don't think I'd call it the best place to live in America. How is Huntsville, Alabama ahead of Boulder, Colorado? That's curious to me. How's anybody ahead of Boulder, Colorado? Yeah, Boulder's coming. <laughs> it really is gorgeous. You but know who just missed the to top ten? Who did? Madison. Madison? Madison? Was number eleven. Well, Madison's been number one in the past on this list, so they've they, so they've 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 dropped a little bit. Uh, by the way, Milwaukee each of the past couple of years has jumped between ten and fifteen spots. So we're headed the right direction. We're number sixty-five. All right, quickly. Atlanta. What's the third thing? Sports Illustrated's newest swimsuit cover model is now also their oldest. Oh yeah, Martha Stewart at eighty-one years old is on the cover of Sports Illustrated, looking kind of sassy, looking really nice. She is the oldest, as you mentioned, swimsuit cover model ever, 81. She said the idea was proposed to her in November of last year, and she took the past several months avoiding bread and pasta and working out leading up to her shoot. Quote, I live a clean life anyway, but this gave me a reason to really, really get my act together. Uh, very flattering picture. She looks good. So Tastefully she is on the done. cover. Very wait, tasteful. Wait, so there, there's like four different covers. So how do you... Like, if you want the Martha the, one, how do you get, get the Martha collect one? Collect the set? Yeah, yeah they, right. they've like, done this other times, yeah, like with like basketball teams. I don't know how they and, do this. Yeah. 
I don't know, but Martha one right here looks pretty good, doesn't it? <laughs> As somebody who's a buddy of Snoop Dogg, yeah, exactly. That's a very humanizing aspect of her life. I, <laughs> I love that she's doing the clean living. It doesn't look real, what you just showed me, John. It's probably been enhanced. It's, it doesn't look real to it's, me. Yeah, okay. I want to see Helen Mirren next year. <laughs> oh, and Estelle, maybe Estelle Getty. Yeah. Rosalind Carter? Yeah. 314 at WTMJ. Up next, straight ahead, Devin Lemahue takes us inside the budget process from Madison. That's up next. Wisconsin's budget forecast dipped slightly, but it's still projected to be nearly $7 billion in the surplus side. That is a really big number. One of the guys at the center of figuring out what we do with this whole budget process is Wisconsin Senator Devin Lemahue, who is the Senate Majority Leader, and he is with us live this afternoon. Senator, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks. Great to be on. I want to ask you about a couple specific things uh, in the budget process, and it's a process, and you're working through that right now. I know Joint Finance met earlier today. Uh, Funding for ballpark improvements in American Family Field. Where would you say we are right now? The governor rolls out a proposal. It was a starting point. Uh, That's not going to become what happens. Where are we at with improvements to the ballpark? So the uh, that will probably be done outside of the budget in a standalone bill. Um, it was pulled out of the budget at the beginning of the finance process. Um, we're meeting with our caucus members to see what they feel comfortable with on the issue. Um, we're looking at ways to uh, come to an agreement with the assembly and uh, see if we can uh, get that done. Do you believe there will be some money that goes toward the stadium district and improving American Family Field, is that a safe assumption, or could this end up that, no, maybe that's not necessarily true? I'm hoping that we come to an agreement because the state owns the stadium, and uh, it's great to actually have a tenant there, a baseball team playing in that stadium. <laughs> um, and uh, it's, you know, it's a great feature in, in Milwaukee where, you know, there's concerts that go there and things like that. Um, if, if the Brewers leave, uh, we're we're going to have an empty stadium that we're going to have to demolish. Oh, yeah, because if the Brewers leave, there's not another Major League Baseball team coming, right? So that must be part of the discussion. Correct, correct. You know, our revenue from the Brewers is when you factor in sales tax and just income tax, sales tax at the stadium, and just income tax from um, the players, both both visiting and um, home players, you know, it's $25, $25 million a year. So that's real income coming into the state of Wisconsin. Devin Lemmehue is with us on WTMJ. Sales tax opportunities for the city of Milwaukee and Milwaukee County have been discussed, and I know that's part of what's being negotiated in this process as well. If that were to become a possibility, do you believe a referendum is an important part of the equation? I, I don't think a referendum is the best way to accomplish this because the fear is, is that it's going to fail. Who's going to vote to increase their own sales tax in the city of Milwaukee by 2%, um, especially in a standalone election or wait until February of next year, um, which is our next generally general election, um, which is going to have very low voter turnout. It's We need to make sure that we can fix Milwaukee, um, the city of Milwaukee, so they can continue to fund police officers, quit cutting police officers, quit cutting fire, and uh, get that done. Um, in in the bill, and I think it's going to need a vote by the council and by the county board. So I'm sure leaders here in Milwaukee are relieved to hear you say that. That's that's how you feel, and your colleagues in the Senate, many of them who I've spoken to, also feel that way. But Robin Voss believes there should be a referendum. So how does this play out? 
So we're still working on the bill. I know the assembly is taking it up tomorrow, um, but I met with the speaker again yesterday. Uh, we met with the governor yesterday afternoon, late afternoon, and uh, we're still trying to get to a place where the assembly caucus is comfortable with it, where our caucus is comfortable with it, and that the governor will actually sign it. I think you just said something really important that most people probably weren't aware of, and that's that Republican leadership met with the Democratic governor and you are moving forward and you're trying to find resolution on some of these issues. Is the environment out there better, do you believe, than it was 18 months ago? I I think it is better. Um, 18 months ago, I hadn't met with the governor as the new Senate majority leader. Uh, So now this is probably my third or fourth meeting this session with the governor and with the speaker. So it's, it's a step in the right direction. And that is heartening to hear, because I think this is only going to come through through conversation and negotiations. Are there other Democrats that you have been talking with or are willing to talk with to finally come through and get a budget plan together sooner than later that people can agree on? So with the shared revenue bill, um, obviously, we talked to the city and county leaders a lot, which necessarily, I know they're nonpartisan positions, but they're probably not Republicans. And uh, I I personally invited uh, the minority leader, Senator Agard, into those discussions to keep her informed of what was going on. Um, So, you know, at times it was a little disappointing since they were part of those discussions that some of their public statements um, were a little harsh on the process. But, uh, you know, we're trying to engage. We're, We're hoping that, you know, we can get a deal done that bails out the mismanagement of decades of the um, pension systems in the city and the county and uh, make sure that they can uh, do their job and make their streets safe and sound. Senate Majority Leader Devin Lemahue is with us on WTMJ. Should medical marijuana be legalized in the state of Wisconsin, Senator? So we, uh, I think there's movement towards that in our caucus. Um, uh, it's it's early in the session now. We're sort of focusing on the budget. That sort of becomes the entire discussion. That with you know shared revenue, since that has so many financial aspects to it, um, that's something we'll we'll consider. There there might be the votes in the Senate at this point. Uh, our biggest fear is that if if we do something like that, it it just needs to be for medicinal purposes, not sort of a backdoor way to essentially legalize marijuana in Wisconsin. So strictly for medicinal purposes, are you in favor of legalizing medical marijuana? I, I think I'm at a point now where I can get behind it as long as there's it's a doctor prescribing it and there's strict um, uh, safeguards around it. What are the next steps? How soon can we expect an agreed-upon budget? So this is week two, where the Finance Committee has started working on the budget. Um, Our fiscal year ends June 30th, uh, so our goal is to have a signed budget by June 30th. Hopefully by the middle, middle, second or third week in June, we can uh, wrap up the budget and put it on the governor's desk. Devin Lemahue is a Republican senator from Oostburg, and he's the Senate Majority Leader. Very busy time in in the state's capital. We appreciate you making some time for us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. That iconic bar from Cheers. Some guy has it in a storage unit, and he's getting ready to sell it. It's going to be up for auction with a lot of other very famous stuff from the state, uh, from the states. 
pop culture stuff he's been holding on to a very long time. The Bar from Cheers is one of them. The Tonight Show set. Johnny Carson famously said to him, this guy said, I'm buying stuff up that's collectible. And Carson said, this is the tackiest set in Hollywood. Who would ever want to see it? Well, this guy has it in a storage unit. The bar where Sam Malone greeted customers on Cheers. The Barbara Eden outfit from I Dream of Jeannie. I had the biggest crush on her. I Dream of Jeannie would be on WGN TV when I came home from school every day. Yeah. Oh, my God. I loved Barbara Eden. How could you not? Uh, lots Very of other pretty stuff and too. will do anything that you want. The cool thing is this guy, his name is James Commissar, and he started buying all these TV set items. And I mean thousands because he wanted to start his own museum. Yeah, that He's not work. really that old. He's like, eh, I'm going to, what, 58? So he's like, you know what? I'm not going to have a museum. I should share this with people who really are big fans of all these different TV shows. So you talk about uh, I Dream of Jeannie's costume. That's 50000 bucks supposedly, on the auction site. But also Lieutenant Uhura's outfit is right next to the Genie costume, which entertain me. But you want to know what I really, really want? Batman fans of the 60s TV show. Remember the Riddler? Oh, sure. He oh, yeah. had a green jacket with question marks. Yeah. That is on the auction block. Well, let's get one thing well, straight you here. You need like 25 grand and you can get it. Uh, this guy's not selling this stuff because he wants to share it with America. Right. He's cashing he's out. He's making a ton of money. But he's he's going to get rich. But this is going to go to people who either love these shows. The Office is on here. A, a, a barware from Mad Men. I mean, this is a thorough... Archie and Edith Bunker's living room. From yeah, all of the family. Yeah, it's, a, it's a hundred grand to get the chair that Archie Bunker used to yeah. sit in. Or, the actual chair or Mash. Remember the sign that, that had all the different signs oh, yeah. for how many miles yeah. different I places the chair were. Was at the Smithsonian. Well, I think there are different. Maybe there he are had items at the chairs. Smithsonian. Sure, oh, okay. Okay. it was it was a long lasting. Uh, show, but Letterman's interview desk and set elements are also yeah. part of this. I mean, you want to fall down a stuff. super fun wormhole. It is fun to go to this. It's basically, I think if you search TV items auction, uh, yeah. you can start yeah. bidding June 3rd. Well, you get you get your money in order here. So the Cheers bar comes in three sections with a brass <laughs> railing, burgundy leatherette bar stools, back bar unit, yep. tall, thin, <laughs> wooden sounds like the whole thing the bell is there that sam used to ring when he got a tip oh yeah uh and the bar stools look like they're in actually pretty good shape and didn't the cast carve their names in it they as did. well all the whole cast and is carved into the bar this guy rescued this this was in somebody's like shed or garage and a skunk had sprayed it oh gosh like, you know so you got to be a real true fan to want this 105 grand so th- this takes me back to a seinfeld episode it's the merv griffin set <laughs> how did you get this in here <laughs> you just bring it in sideways and Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just sitting in so a dumpster. So where are you going to sleep? <laughs> yeah, backstage. Yeah, I was sitting in a dumpster outside. Oh, that was a really New York funny side set it up inside his apartment. But here's something else that's cool. You don't have to have thousands and thousands of dollars. For example, you could own one of Vanna White's dresses from 1983 for 300 bucks. Well, that's what the bidding starts oh, that's at, not right? bad. Oh, that, I guess that's... Oh, well, or maybe they have a pay now option. I don't know, but I grew up... I loved Captain Kangaroo. You can buy Captain Kangaroo and Mr. G- Green Jeans costumes from the 1950s. I mean, you want to talk so much stuff, and it's but it's so much nostalgia. Like yeah. we have happy memories attached to so many of these Plinko TV shows. You can buy the original Plinko board uh-huh. for ten thousand dollars from The Price Is Right. Over the a thousand ni- items. The, the, uh, ten thousand dollars. The 1972 Plinko board. <laughs> but do they have the Mountain Man? Do the yodeling guy? Yeah. You could have prices right set up in your basement. Hey, give me a minute. I'm sure I'll find it. I mean, yeah. I mean if you just even think of any TV show from The Office to Cheers to MASH, just 
any TV show you can think of. And there are Star Wars figurines. If you sort from low price to high price, there's a bunch of Star Wars goodies. It is 343 at WTMJ. Major Garrett, CBS Chief Washington correspondent, up next. We're back. CBS Chief Washington correspondent Major Garrett is with us on the WTMJ hotline. He is the host and creator of the Takeout podcast, which is kind of fun. He eats and drinks and talks to very interesting people, and his book is The Big Truth. Major, good afternoon. Thanks for being with us. Good afternoon, John. How are you? I'm good. I wanted to start by asking you your opinion of the Donald Trump sit-down interview with Caitlin Collins and the fallout after the interview. What were your takeaways from what you saw? So, unlike some critics' assessment, there was news value to that town hall. Not just for those who like former President Trump, but for those who despise him and who will run against him and who will look for things that he said at that town hall to use against him should he become the Republican nominee. There are also things for E. Jean Carroll to look at in that town hall. There are also things for Jack Smith, a special counsel here in Washington, D.C., to look at and evaluate. There was lots of things that the former president said that landed in a newsworthy way. Having said that, it seemed to me that CNN went out of its way to accommodate the former president strictly for ratings, accommodate him by the format, accommodate him by the moderator, accommodate him by hacking the crowd with known Trump supporters. So he would not only be warmly received at the outset, but likely to receive exactly what he got. Applause, chuckles, and knowing glances throughout, reaffirming him and giving the audience the impression that the former president is an unstoppable force in the Republican nominating conversation. That didn't need to happen. CNN could have done this differently. It chose not to. And when the former president said, CNN offered him a deal he couldn't refuse. It appears it's exactly what it did. That is a kind of supine journalistic approach that I don't think serves the network well or journalism as well as it could have been served. So I wanted to ask you, taking that a step further, Major, everything you just so accurately laid out led to the event that we saw. And then afterwards, they had not one but two panels of people that were there were 14 people total and 13 of them came out and attacked Trump and attacked how it all went and then there's one guy up there who who was uh, carrying water for Donald Trump but it was mm-hmm. so odd to see the measures they went to to make sure they landed him and then afterwards they spent hours and hours and hours just on the attack either on the attack or or raising questions about the accuracy of the things that the former president said and there was a a veritable feast of things you had to fact check with the former president. Um, But look, the CNN knows that the audience is there for the buildup and for the town hall and typically hits the exits afterwards, which is exactly what happened. And the ratings weren't nearly as good as CNN was anticipating. They were okay, but they weren't great. And in the succeeding two days, Thursday and Friday, the primetime ratings were lower, suggesting that this might have been a miscalculation. Because conservatives are not going to suddenly go back to CNN in droves, and moderates and Democrats may leave CNN or may leave it temporarily in fury or sort of frustration with the way this town hall was put. So as a business proposition, it doesn't seem to have worked very well. Um, There are ways to do this, but let's just say, for example, all right, Major, what one way would you do it? Well, I would do it in a cold studio. Nobody there. Black drape, 
moderator and Trump all on tape so it can be fact checked and then presented later. Trump would never agree to that. Therefore, you don't get it. If you don't get it, you don't get the ratings pop. So all those things fit into this conversation for CNN. But I will not agree with those who say it should never have happened under any circumstances. And it was a completely vacuous, non-journalistic exercise. That's not true. Real things were said that will have real effect on the contours of the campaign. Therefore, journalistically, at the margins, it's justifiable. Major, who else do you see or expect to come through as a Republican candidate? Well, look, we're going to have a really interesting month. Uh, Pay attention, folks. The next month, the next 30 days will be very important for the conversation for the Republican nomination in 2024. I know plenty of people in the audience who may be Trump supporters. What are you talking about, Major? It's already over. Trump's going to get it. It's all in the bag. Maybe yes, maybe no. But Mike Pence is going to get in. That's very clear now. He just launched a super PAC. You don't launch a super PAC unless you're going to get in. Ron DeSantis is going to get in. Tim Scott is going to get in. All within the next two or three weeks. And then Chris Sununu is going to let us know if he's going to run as a favorite son in New Hampshire. And Chris Christie will let us know if he's going to run as a kamikaze pilot to go with the good ship Trump in 2024. Because that would be the only purpose of him getting in the race. That would be five different people jumping in in the next month. But a minimum of three. And as Chris Christie said a week ago, and he's right about this, if nothing else, he may be wrong about everything else, but he's right about this. There still isn't a campaign. Why isn't there a campaign? Because nobody yet is saying Trump is wrong and I am right. He's worse. I'm better. And this is why. Until that happens, we don't have an actual campaign that may come sooner in the next two or three weeks when some of the names I just mentioned decide to get in. Major Garrett, CBS's chief Washington correspondent, is with us on WTMJ. Conversations continue surrounding the debt ceiling. Is progress being made? So uh, this just happened here in Washington at the White House. The meeting concluded between the four congressional leaders and the president. And Speaker McCarthy came out and said two things I think are very important. One, there'll be more people added to the conversations, which is what Speaker McCarthy requested, and that those conversations will yield or are trying to yield a bipartisan agreement, meaning that Democrats are going to have to agree on this, and Speaker McCarthy is acknowledging the reality of that. The first thing I mentioned, that other people will be added to the conversations matter. And what the Speaker wanted was the head of the Office of Management and Budget to be a direct participant in the conversations. That is a show of respect from the White House to Speaker McCarthy. Now, you may say, who cares about these shows of respect? Trust me, things like this matter in Washington. The Speaker of the House has felt fronted off and disrespected by the White House all these many, many weeks. When he talks about you waited 97 days, you waited 100 days, what he's really saying is you tried to minimize me as Speaker of the House. You tried to ignore me, and you thought this would be a Senate game. I've told you from the beginning this is going to be a House of Representatives game, and you ignored me. And McCarthy is still ticked off by that. And it takes a while for people in Washington to get over that. It sounds as if atmospherically that's happening. And everyone knows the deadline's looming, two or three weeks maximum. So there was progress today. There's no deal. Also, President Biden was supposed to be gone for quite a while on a three-nation overseas trip. It's going to be cut down to one. He's going to go to the G7 meetings in Tokyo and then come back be back in town by Sunday. That's going to give them more time to negotiate, more time to work this out. Major Garrett is CBS's chief Washington correspondent. His book is The Big Truth. I have it sitting right on the edge of my uh, bookshelf. When you walk in the in my den, you can see it. It's a great book. You ought to pick it up. It's very, very relevant today. And check out the Takeout Podcast, heard weekends here on WTMJ. 
Major, always good to have your perspective. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. See you.